As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Hi everybody, my name is Paul Renner. Welcome to The Home Group. We're going to have fun tonight. And tonight we're going to talk about salvation. How are you saved? What are you saved from? And what are you saved for? Have you ever thought about that? If you're saved, you're obviously saved from something. What are you saved from? And if you're saved, if God created, intended you to be saved, then he probably had something in mind. What are you saved for? How are you saved? What are you saved from? And what are you saved for? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And my father, Rick Ritter, asked me to lead the home group. So please join, share, and be with us today all the way to the very, very end. And tell us where you're joining from. Along with me today in the studio is Joel and Maxime. Maxime. I'm so happy to be here. And I love this subject. I love talking about my salvation. And like you said it the last time we were saying we were talking, you said... Often we say our salvation, but in fact, it's not our salvation. We didn't do anything. All of it, our whole salvation is His work. Amen. So actually, more correct way to say it is... His salvation. Let's talk about His salvation. Yes, and that's actually what it says in the Psalms. Amen. Well, you know, um, the salvation I received that He gave me, Amen. that is a miracle. It is a true miracle that God sent His only Son to save me, to save you. It's the miracle of salvation. And I am so grateful that God did that, that Jesus came and he died for our sins so we can have eternal life with him. It is truly the miracle of salvation. Amen. Amen. But my friends, before we begin, I want to say if you need prayer, please call us at 1-800-742-5593 or email us at prayer.org. We would love to put our faith out with yours so you can have a miracle in your life. And if you want to get our free DVD, uh, free download, it's this wonderful study guide, we put a lot of work into these study guides. You can go to renner.org to download it right now. These are Dad's notes that he puts together for the daily TV program. And this week we have the series, You Are the Temple of the Holy Spirit. These go together. But you can download this one for free, the study guide. And we have a whole team who goes through Dad's notes. He films the programs. They watch the programs. They fill out the notes. They take his original transcripts. And they make this for you. It has all the Greek words. It has all his word studies, it has all the scriptures, and it has all the points of the TV program. And I believe these study guides are helping people have a revival of the Bible in their lives. That's so very important. We're believing for revival of the Bible in people's lives. The Bible can have, make a revival in your life. The Bible has changed more people's lives than anything else in the world. That's right. It's God's Word. We need to love the Bible. We need to have it in our hearts. We want to revival the Bible in people's lives. That is so precious. And I believe these study guides that we're giving away this every week we give them away will really help you in your walk with Jesus. And also we're offering the book, A Life Ablaze. And often when we get saved, we're on fire for Jesus. We want to tell the whole world about it. But as decades goes by, that fire sometimes dwindles in us. And we need to rekindle those fires. That's what this book is about. How do you rekindle the fire of God in your life so that when Jesus comes back, you're on fire for him. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we can be together today. And Lord, I ask you to help us to read, help us to understand, help us to see the things that you'd like to show us today. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, how are we saved? What are we saved from? And what are we saved for? Well, first of all, we're saved 
by the grace of God. We're saved by His mercy. And I like to say it this way. The Lord had so much mercy on you that He he put all of His wrath on Jesus instead of punishing you. And Jesus loves you so much that He voluntarily took that punishment upon Himself so that you could be saved. I'll say it again. The Lord has so much mercy. He's so merciful that He punished Jesus instead of punishing you. And Jesus loves you so much that He took upon Himself that punishment so that you could be saved. And we find this idea in Scripture, this truth in Scripture over and over again. One of the biggest places we find it, and it's very short, but it's bold in one concise verse is uh, Peter, 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ, who also hath once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So Jesus, who did not deserve to be punished, took upon himself the punishment for our sins. So we are saved, of course, by his grace, by his mercy. But how does that happen specifically for you? How do you get saved? And one of the first places we see it written plainly and simply is in Acts chapter 2, where we are reading about Peter's first big message. Acts chapter 2, verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So we see that there's a double component here. We have to say something out loud. You have to say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you have to believe in your heart that God the Father raised him from the dead. So there's, there's some actions here that you have to do. And I was uh, listening not so long ago to Brother Copeland, and he talked about corresponding actions. You have to do something that corresponds with what you believe. I like that a lot, corresponding actions. So if you really believe something, then you're actually going to say something, then you're actually going to do something. But if you don't believe it, then you're not going to be talking about it. You're not actually going to do anything about it. But if you truly believe, if you truly trust on the Lord Jesus Christ, then there's nothing wrong with saying, I believe that Jesus is the Lord. I believe that the Lord raised him from the death, raised him from the grave. So it, it sounds simple, but there's a lot of power in it. And of course, in uh, John chapter 3, Jesus talks about how salvation works and what he came to earth for. And we'll be talking a lot about John chapter 3, verses 16, 17, and 18 today. So please open them up. And uh, we're, we're talking about how we're saved. First question is, is how we're saved. Second question is, what are we saved from? And third question is, what are we saved for? Joel, could you please read John 3.16? Okay, here we go. For God so loved the world, don't you love that? That he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You want me to keep on going, Paul? Yes. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. There is no judgment awaiting those who trust in him, but those who do not trust in him 
have already been judged for not believing in the only Son of God. Amen. So we see here that we are saved. Our, we, we should be grateful to Jesus for what he has done for us because there's no other way we could have possibly been saved. And we see the same idea in Ephesians chapter 2. And verse? Uh, verses 8 and 9. Okay. For by grace you have been saved Amen. through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says we're dead uh, by our works, so that we could have done nothing to earn our own salvation. Our salvation is a gift from Him, and the only thing that we have to do to receive His salvation, that work of salvation in our lives, is to believe on Him. It's that simple. And anything else that we try to add on to that is incorrect. If we say we have to do this, we have to do that, or we have to earn it, and you may feel like you have to earn it, that's prideful. It's actually pride working in you, thinking there's something you can do to receive, your, to receive salvation. The only thing that you can do to receive salvation is trust in God and confess Jesus Lord. That's Amen. all you have to do. But for me, this raises the next question. Okay, so we know how we're saved. We're saved by grace. We're, we actually receive that salvation when we confess Jesus Lord. That's pretty simple. But if we're saved, we're obviously saved from something. So what are you saved from? Have you ever thought about that? What are you saved from? And in John chapter 3, verses 16, 17, 16, 17 and 18, it actually tells us what we're saved from. Joel, could you read that again, especially 17 and 18? You want me to start from 16? Sure, you can start in 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. There is no judgment awaiting those who trust in him. Praise God. But those who do not trust in him have already been judged for not believing in the only son of God. Okay, so that's the answer. That is what we are saved from. We are saved from judgment. Or in other words, we're saved from God's wrath. And if you're not saved, punishment for your sins, God's wrath is on its way. And the only way to be saved from God's wrath is to believe upon Jesus. Mm -hmm. So what are you saved from? You're saved from punishment. It even says here that Jesus came not to punish the world, or in the King James it says not to condemn the world, but that the world, uh, that the world through him might be saved. He that believed on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned. So there is condemnation, but not for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what are you saved from? It's kind of a scary thought, and we don't like to talk about it very much, but you're saved from God's wrath. And if you haven't made the decision, or if you haven't said out loud that Jesus is Lord, if you do not believe in, with all your heart that God raised him from the dead, then God's 
wrath, condemnation, punishment, is on its way. And the only way to avoid that, or the only way for it to pass over, is if you believe on Jesus. Now this brings us to the very first Passover. It brings us all the way back to Exodus, where we see how that judgment that was coming when it saw the blood on the doorframe passed over. That's exactly how it works today. John 2.2 says, and this is the propitiation for our sins, and that, and not for not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and for the sins of the whole world, meaning that the punishment that he took upon himself was enough for whatever's coming your way to pass over. God's judgment or what you deserve will not be coming your way because Jesus took it upon himself. And that's where the phrase that I started with today comes in. God had so much mercy that he punished Jesus instead of punishing you. Now that doesn't look like mercy because when you see films like, for instance, The Passion uh, or perhaps other Jesus films and you see what happened to Jesus, it's pretty ugly. And it's difficult, difficult to even call that mercy or love. But actually that's what it is. Because if God had not punished Jesus, it means that punishment would have been coming your way. If Jesus had not taken upon himself that punishment, that punishment would have been coming your way. So it's actually mercy and love. We're seeing what should have happened or what could have happened to each of us. So first of all, the first question, how are we saved? We're saved by His mercy, not by works. There's nothing we could have done to receive His salvation. And we're saved very simply when we say that Jesus is Lord. It's really, really simple. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Second of all, what are we saved from? We're saved from His wrath. And that works because God punished Jesus who didn't deserve it instead of punishing each of us. And that's exactly what it says in John 3, 16, 17, and 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. And the only way for that to pass over is for you to believe on Jesus. So we know that we're saved. We know what we're saved from. Next question, what are we saved for? If Jesus saved us, if this amazing act of mercy and love was done for each of us, and John 2, 2 says, for the whole world, what are we saved for? Ephesians 2.10. Maxime? I'm going to read from Pastor Rick, uh, Pastor Rick's book, Sparkling Gems. And it says, Ephesians 2.10 is another place where a form of this word poets is used. Paul writes, for we are his workmanship, mm. created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The word workmanship is the Greek word poema, which comes from the same root 
as poets. This tells us that when we were saved, God put forth all his best efforts and creative powers to marvelously fashion and create us in Jesus Christ. Because the word poem is used in Ephesians 2.10, it means that God applied or used his fullest, greatest, and most creative powers when we were born again. We weren't just mild, mildly saved. Rather, God took us into his hands and marvelously made us new in Christ Jesus. And he released his most powerful creative forces and made us a workmanship that would be worthy to bear his name. Amen. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that we are a new, creature, new creature in Jesus Christ. Amen. All things have passed. All things, all, all old things have passed and all things are new. Praise God. But here it says that he created us unto good works. So we are saved to do good works. In other words, he has something special for you to do. And if he created you, like a poet would... You mean we have to do something? Yeah. <laughs> well... It's not just saved and that's it. We're saved, and that is his work in our lives. But now we voluntarily do everything we can to worship him and live for him. Okay. We're saved unto good works, to do something good. So I have a question for you. I like to ask questions. I ask them a lot. What are you doing? Are you doing good works? What are your good works? And you're not saved by your good works. There's a big difference here. You're not saved by your good works. You could never do enough good works to get saved. You're saved unto good works so that you can do something good, so that you can do something for him and for other people. So those are our three questions today. Number one, how are we saved? Of course, we're saved by His grace and in the exact moment that we believe on Him. Second, what are we saved from? We're saved from His wrath and punishment. Jesus took that punishment upon Himself. And now, punishment for our sins passes over us simply because we believed on Jesus. And we're saved not by good works, but we're saved unto good works or for good works. So what are you doing? What are your good works? Do you have anything to show? Can you, can you show me what you've done? Do you know what you've done? Is the Holy Spirit leading you to do something specific? And it's not for your salvation. It's because you are saved. These are things that we get to do. Where are you in that process? Tell me, how are you growing in the Lord and what are you doing for other people? I really like talking about this because our salvation isn't something that, uh, that, that's, that happened and then just kind of stayed in the same condition. It's not, it's not in a static condition. Our salvation is always moving us towards good works. Our salvation is always moving us towards our worship. Are you in a emotion or are you moving towards the Lord? Has your salvation put you on a path of worship? Has your salvation put you on a path of serving the Lord and serving others? Has your salvation provided you with the opportunity to do good works that you never did previously? 
And I hope you're doing these good works simply because you can, because he's worth it, not in order to earn your own salvation. Joel? I'm looking for the Bible verse, Paul, where it says that Jesus went all over Galilee doing good works. Mm -hmm. I want to be like Jesus. Oh, yeah, let's be like Jesus. Don't you want to be like Jesus? Jesus did good works. Yeah, I believe that when we get saved, we have a job to do. You know, we're supposed to be servants of Christ. And servants of Christ do good things. Mm -hmm. And we're supposed to do good works, but first comes salvation, of course. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to preach the gospel. We're supposed to help the poor. We're supposed to help each other. We're not just supposed to get saved and sit around. We have things to do. And, but first comes salvation, and that is a complete work of grace. Amen. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So the purpose of our good works is to actually help people see God. Now, you may be the only Jesus that some people ever, ever meet. You may be the closest thing to Jesus that anyone ever confronts or gets to talk to. Where are your good works? What are you doing? And do your good works glorify God? Now, now, wait, now we're getting into another subject here because our good works sometimes, or what we think are our good works, could actually be works of the flesh. And we may actually be focusing people's attention on ourselves instead of focusing people's attention on God. So if you're doing good works, I hope that everything you're doing is actually focusing people's attention towards God. Now I have seen some brothers and sisters in Christ, they do something good. It seems like they tell immediately tell the whole world about it. And I'm, I don't have anything wrong with telling about what you've done or what the Lord has done through you. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a small line that we kind of cross sometimes when instead of giving God glory, look what God did in these people's lives. Sometimes we say, look what I did. Oh yeah, and you know, we all did it for Jesus. Sometimes Jesus is the side note when it should actually look what God did and look what we got to be involved in. It's he's the one that do he's the one that's doing it because without him and without the Holy Spirit in us, wouldn't we wouldn't even be able to do it. So when you do your good works, where does the glory go? Who's getting the compliment? Jesus? Who do people see? Do they see, wow, I had no idea people could forgive like that? I was actually listening to a testimony of someone once who publicly on television, this was a Christian mother whose son uh, died in a terrorist act in, uh, in Egypt. And publicly on television, she as a Christian said, I forgive. Hmm. That was the most powerful thing she could have done to say, I forgive those people who set off that bomb, and my son died as a result of it. When she said that, it, for many people, it was, what? How? How, did you, how do you do that? And forgiveness is one of the most powerful things that, 
first of all, it's what God did for us. And then he gives us the capacity to forgive. Because the flesh in itself, the sin nature in itself, doesn't want to forgive. Forgiveness is a very Christian thing. Like, without Christianity, where is forgiveness? As Christians, many people know we're supposed to forgive. But even when we forgive, it's, it shocks so many people when you just simply say, I can forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you because Jesus once forgave me. And now I'm going to follow after him and do exactly what he did. I can forgive you because he forgave me. So who, who gets the glory? When you do something good, and sometimes it can be as simple or as amazing as forgiveness, or sometimes it can be pretty practical. But who gets the glory? I hope that when you do good things, God gets the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let your light shine. So do it and do it as much as you possibly can. Let your life shine before men so that when they see your good works, they glorify your Father which is in heaven. How are we saved? We're saved by His grace. What are we saved from? We're saved from punishment. We're saved from God's wrath. And He provided a way for us to be saved from His wrath, punishment, and condemnation. What are we saved for? We're saved for good works. So do as many good works as you can possibly do while there's still time. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this home group tonight. And I thank you for your salvation in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Everybody, let's just say it out loud. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Jesus. you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your salvation in each of our lives. I thank you for that amazing act of grace and mercy and love. And Lord, because you did that in our lives, we want to do as many good works as we can possibly do. Help us, Lord, to share the gospel. Lord, I ask you that you shine through us and through the good works that we do. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, um, Amen. Amen. I hope Amen. you guys visit renner.org. There's a lot more available for you there. Don't forget to download the study guides that we've prepared for you. And if you have a prayer request, please send us your prayer request at prayer at ritter.org so that we can pray for you. We're already praying for you, but if you send us your prayer request, we'll do a better job at it. It will actually help us pray for you. God bless. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.